podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today on the 1012 Podcast, former TCU defensive lineman Dylan Horton prepares for the NFL Draft. We talked to him about that, as well as the playoff and national championship game. Baylor softball pitcher Dari Orme talks about her perfect game, the season for the Bears, and the walking staff that she is responsible for carrying around for the team. Plus, softball, baseball, and more. Coming up. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Not a big one for you today. Doesn't mean it's not good, just not as long as we have in the past two fantastic guests. Former TCU defensive lineman Dylan Horton, who's preparing for the NFL draft this weekend, and Baylor softball pitcher Dari Orme, who's having an absolutely incredible season for the Baylor Bears. We're going to get to them in just a few minutes, but let's just drop some Big 12 sports news, a few nuggets to discuss. No need to talk about realignment because there's literally nothing on that front right now. In fact, the Colorado conversation is about Dion running off his entire roster more than it is whether or not they'll be joining the Big 12 or staying in the Pac-12. I think that that's kind of died down a little bit, and I really appreciate that we've had other things to talk about in relation to Pac-12 schools than just realignment. It's kind of nice to have a pause to focus on other things, like baseball, where West Virginia is frankly the only Big 12 team that might host a regional this year. West Virginia is fantastic highest rpi in the big 12 right now and that's not saying a lot like the big 12 might not have a host let me just repeat that for you the big 12 might not have a baseball team host original as of now adjusted rpi as of time of recording this on wednesday night which is games through tuesday adjusted rpi has west virginia at 19th could they host could they be one of the 16 teams to host yes a lot of opportunities ahead of them with the games, the Big 12 teams they still have on their schedule. West Virginia is at Baylor this weekend. They've still got three games against Oklahoma, three games against Texas Tech, and three games at Texas. Now, of course, the biggest problem for the Big 12 is the overall RPI of the teams. Like I said, West Virginia is the highest adjusted RPI team in the Big 12 at 19. Next up is Oklahoma State at 27, Texas at 37. We drop down a ways. TCU at 49, Oklahoma at 52, Kansas State at 65, and Texas Tech at 66. So they have opportunities for quality wins. West Virginia is the team who's got the best chance left to host a regional. I think they can do it, but they're going to have to win the Big 12 regular season. I, I think if they win the Big 12 regular season, they're going to host. I do. TCU winning the regular season last year and not getting to host was super weird. It's very unusual. It's not something we see. Even with a slightly lower RPI, I think if they're able to get enough wins to win the Big 12 in the regular season this year, as weird as the Big 12 has been, it's a weird year. It's just, it just is. And it's, it's kind of a mediocre year for the Big 12 in baseball. I'm not saying the teams aren't good. There's no great team. West Virginia just has been the best thus far. Again, lots of baseball to play. 
It's a fun story. When you get a West Virginia baseball guest on here, talk about the Mountaineers, talk about this program this year. It's a very nice year for West Virginia. Uh, some bad news for Houston football this week. Obviously, if you haven't listened to the last week's show, Sam Kahn, the tech expert, came on, talked a little post-spring football, talked about Houston. He mentioned Alton McCaskill coming back, missing the season for Houston last year because of injury. Well, it doesn't sound like Houston's going to have him after all. He has entered the transfer portal, stud as a freshman running back. Now he is gone. NIL seems to be playing a big part in this. There's some subtweeting from Houston let's say, player accounts. USC is the team that we have heard from our friends over the Scott and Holman podcast. Colorado is a team that's being linked to it. Look, again, I'm I'm fine with this. I'm fine with players leaving to strike it while the iron is hot. I am. Uh, because it's just the way of the world now. Here's my deal. I'm not big on hypocrisy. And so I don't care for schools kicking players off teams. I don't care for it. But if that is going to be part of the reality we live in, and yes, technically they can't pull scholarships, but you can basically tell a kid, you can keep your scholarship, but you're not going to play a single down here the rest of the time you're in wherever this town is, Boulder. Those kids are going to leave. Now, they could stay and say, okay, well, I've just given up on football. But if they want to play football, they have to go elsewhere. So while you haven't revoked their scholarship, you've basically revoked the reason that they need a scholarship at your school. So if that is going to be part of the reality of the transfer portal era that we live in, then I'm perfectly fine with the counter of that of saying players are going to transfer to other schools for a variety of other reasons. Maybe it's an IL. Maybe it's family. Maybe it just is playing time aside from a, a program telling them that they're not going to get to play. You just lose a starting spot. I want to go to be a starter. I think I should be a starter. I don't think this program is developing me enough. You know what? You could say, well, that's nonsense. Sometimes it's true, folks. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes a guy goes to another school and gets better. All I'll say is this. If you're okay with it, if it doesn't bother you that a school gets rid of a player, or basically forces him into the transfer portal, if you're okay with that being a reality, don't be pissed off about the other reasons that kids might enter the portal. You can be irritated by the portal in general and all of the different things that it's caused in college football. That's fine. But you don't get to be okay with this and not okay with that. Like It just doesn't work that way to me. It's a bit hypocritical. But I do hate this for Houston. It already feels like it might be a tough year one. This isn't helping. It definitely doesn't feel like it's it's helping. Let's talk a little softball. Shout out to D1 Softball. We are subscribers to D1 Softball. I think they do an incredible job covering college softball. Uh, usually they put out their kind of bracketology, um, but they put out this week a bubble watch. A few things in particular. Last four in, first four out. Teams getting in, teams getting left out. Uh, again, we've talked about this. You need to be top 50 in the RPI or just at RPI to feel like you have a shot. The teams that they have listed as last four and last four out, the lowest one who is out in their last four out is Maryland at 48 in the RPI. So to Texas Tech, to Kansas, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not, it's just not this year. I think there's too much ground for both of those programs to make up to try and get there. I just don't think they can do it. Same thing to BYU. I mean, Kansas is 59th in the RPI. 
That's great. They're 22 and 21. I, I think even if they were to find a way, like their record would be better. I just I don't see them making up enough ground. BYU, I think they're just going to have to win the West the, the West Coast Conference again. I think they probably will. That seems very likely. Texas Tech, 72nd in the RPI, despite the 30 and 19 record. We've talked about this many times. Schedule better. Your non-conference schedule matters. It is weighted in your favor if you schedule well. Don't have 20-something of your 30 wins be against quad four opponents that you played in the non-conference. I I expect better next year. Again, give you a year one break. So, obviously, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas are going to be in. Baylor's going to be in. UCF. They're going to be in. I think they should be in as an at-large. They're 32nd in adjusted RPI right now. So that's just last four and last four out. Here's where things get interesting. And we're going to talk more about this next week because next week is Baylor-Texas, which is just going to be an incredible three-game series. But right now, they've got basically the last three teams they're projecting to be regional hosts and the first three out from that spot. The last three they have in are Clemson, Alabama, and Oregon. Baylor, the last of the three teams who are not hosting at the moment. They've got a couple of marquee wins on the schedule, as we have talked about on the show. They've got the win over Oklahoma, two wins over number seven in the adjusted RPI, Tennessee. They've got two other top 25 wins over Louisiana and Texas A&M. Baylor is three games against Iowa State on the schedule. They just got a win over Texas State in the middle of the week. Who's 48 in the RPI. So it's not quad one. It is another quad two win for them. That's a solid one. Now that, te- that obviously will adjust after this game. Three games against Iowa State. Those are quad three. But that series next weekend with Texas, I think, is big. Because I think if Baylor can win that series, even if it's two to one, Baylor puts themselves in a good spot. That would be two more top 25 wins, two more quad one wins. As long as they avoid a bad loss in Oklahoma City in the Big 12 tournament, maybe they pick up a good win there as well to help that resume. I think Baylor is not out of it in hosting a regional this year. I think they have a legit shot. On the flip side of that, Texas. As of right now, D1 baseball, D1 softball projects Texas as the nine seed. Uh, you want to be a top eight seed because that guarantees you both hosting regionals and supers. You get to stay home until OKC, until the Women's College World Series. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma still, at the moment, Oklahoma is going to be the one seed. OSU is still locked in as a top eight seed. If you get some things turned around on offense, we'll talk about that in a second. But Texas is just outside, it feels like, of that top eight. 7-6-1 against the top 25. Winning those games against OSU were huge. Reese Atwood, player of the week by the Big 12. Three straight games with a walk-off hit. Huge. Two against Oklahoma State. Massive for them. Currently sitting at number 10 in the adjusted RPI. Texas is inching closer. They're getting closer to an opportunity to be a top eight team. I think if they win that Baylor series, they're going to have a strong, strong case. So I I think that series next weekend, we're going to talk about it more next weekend, but that weekend series between Texas and Baylor, the end of the regular season is huge for both schools. It is massive for both schools and what they could potentially do in the postseason. Texas wins that series. There's a very good chance they're a top eight seed and hosting until OKC. 
And they're off this weekend. They got a nice weekend off before they play Baylor. And they get one game in Austin and two games in Waco, which is huge. I say they're off from a weekend series. They've got a game against Sam Houston, midweek game, on the schedule at the moment. Baylor has three games against Iowa State, and then three games against Texas. One on the road, two at home. Big opportunities for both schools to change their situation in the postseason. Mentioned Oklahoma State. It's been a rough stretch. Five-game losing streak. Very much out of nowhere for OSU. But there's not a bad team. They're seventh in batting average. They're fifth in fielding. They're seventh in on-base percentage. They're getting hits. They're getting hits. But they cannot score runs right now. During this five-game losing streak, they are averaging 1.4 runs a game. They have left 41 runners on base. That's not even talking about their RASP stat, which I've lost track of and is not good. They're getting runners to second and third base. They're getting opportunities they cannot execute. It's astonishing, really. That Saturday first game, they should have won. You go into the bottom of the seventh up 2-0 with Kelly Maxwell in the circle and lose 3-2 in walk-up fashion. I don't know what's going on with OSU. They didn't play a midweek game this week for the first time since early March. You got three games against Texas Tech, who is a good offensive team. We've talked about this. You're going to have to score runs. Yes, you could just do what Kansas did in games two and three against Texas Tech this past weekend and shut them out because as good as Texas Tech's offense is, it can also go completely cold. Kansas getting that series win. But OSU's going to have to score some runs. Hopefully they have figured some things out this week. Gajewski said uh, that he thinks it's more of a pressing thing than it is anything else. Quote, these guys are so elite. They think they can change it in their at-bat. Instead of just having a good at-bat, they're going to be like, okay, get on my back. This at-bat. I'm going to change the whole thing. And you're not. Just put more pressure and adds more pressure to these guys. They press and don't execute the way we want to because they've got too many other things, too many ancillary things pulling at them that they're not able to be 100% focused like they need to be to be good. So hopefully this is something they're able to figure out this week. They've had a five-game losing streak at the end of the regular season last year, lost two to Florida State, lost three to Oklahoma, but this is a little bit different. Losing to Iowa State at home, losing to Wichita State at home, getting swept in the way they did against Texas. This just feels a little different. It does. But they've got time to get it figured out. They need to do so quickly. Congratulations to the women's golf teams at Baylor, Texas Tech, Houston, Iowa State, TCU, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Texas, and UCF, all on earning invites to the NCAA Golf Tournament Regionals. Good luck to all those programs and hopes to advance to the national championship. Big opportunity here. Some individual players who got invites as well. Uh, one thing you're invited to is go to Homefield Apparel this weekend. Three new collections are hitting Homefield Apparel this weekend. Two of them belong to Big 12 schools, Cincinnati and West Virginia. 9 a.m. God's time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and Virginia Tech are getting new collections. And the Cincy sweater, it's good. Script the cats on a red hoodie. Yeah, it's nice. It looks nice. The Division of Forestry t-shirt built for West Virginia is so home field and so cool. Oh, I can't wait to see it in person. 
cannot wait. So, 9 a.m., nine-piece collections for West Virginia and Cincinnati dropping on Homefield Apparel. Make sure you remember our promo code, NETWORK12. N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 gets you 15% off your first order. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Do not miss them. Buy the stuff before it sells out. Reminder, all these other releases have been getting like quarter zips and joggers. You can probably expect a West Virginia quarter zip, a Cincinnati pair of joggers. We'll find out on Saturday. I know you're going to be paying close attention to their Twitter account, to their Instagram account for when these are announced, or just go to the website, homefieldapparel.com, and see when they're announced. Homefieldapparel.com. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere, putting out just absolutely incredible new stuff. Do not miss out. Thank you again, and thank you as always to Homefield for being a sponsor here on the show and for the 1012 Network. Speaking of the network, 1012network.com. You'll find every show in the network. I think that's enough. I think we got a great show. True great guests. Dylan Horton, Dari Orme. Let's get to it. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. NFL Draft is this weekend, and one of the former Big 12 players who expects to hear his name called, and we expect to hear it too, uh, former TCU defensive lineman Dylan Horton, who joins us here on the 1012 podcast today. Dylan, welcome, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has got to be a, a massive, I don't, think I, could, I don't think I could find a good enough adjective uh, to describe uh, this week for you as, as something that, you know, obviously you've been been working towards for quite some time. I mean, when did you decide that the NFL was a goal for you? Right. Um, truthfully, you know, the NFL has always been a goal. You know, ever since I was younger, it's kind of playing football, understanding that, you know, I was watching people play professionally, you know, for their for their job. I was like, you know, that's something I always wanted to do. That's awesome, man. It's, it's, it's one of the things you like. Everyone, kids, like, I want to play in the majors. I want to play in the NFL. I want, to, I want to have these big dreams and aspirations. And then to actually get to a point where you're just days away from from something you've wanted as a kid potentially coming through. I mean, you're going to be playing in the NFL. Uh, I just, I, It's going to be such a cool experience to, because I think you will, hear your name right. called on draft day. Right. It's, uh, it's something I, can, I can't even imagine, to be honest with you. It's like, you know, you know it's coming. Like, I... I feel it's coming, but like it's something that I can't grasp yet. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Uh, so you were uh, invited to the NFL Combine. What was that experience like for you? Right, um, Combine was great. I felt like you know we got to I, personally. I got to meet um, with all the teams. You know, have interviews. You can talk with the coaches. Get a better understanding of how uh, they see me in their defense, and you know, get to talk to a bunch of players, understand, you know, how how they did, how they're, how they're feeling about everything. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've seen in the past there have been some unusual questions asked of players during the interview process. Did you get anything that kind of left you stumped or a little bit like, okay, all right? Right. Actually, um, I personally didn't get any questions like that. I think the only question was like, you know, apple or orange. But, you know, other than that, it's probably, you know, the, the only thing. That's not bad. I'll I'll take that apple or orange. Okay, so what was your answer? Apple or orange? Uh, apple. 
Apple. Okay, very good, very good. A lot less work. I don't have to sit there and peel and pull apart. I'm not. I don't like the the little veiny, stringy thing. I'm not a big orange fan. Anyways, uh, <laughs> coming from TCU, obviously last season was. I mean, it was a dream season. The ending, not the way you would want it to go. But I mean, what what an incredible end to your career in in college. Just walk me through like beginning of the season and kind of, you know, where you guys were at in year one of Sunny Dykes to, to getting all the way to the national championship game. Like when do you guys, when do you feel like the team thought that's something we could achieve? That's a, that is a place we could actually be at is in the national championship game. Right. So beginning of the season, you know, we were all pretty nervous to how the season was going to go. You know, we just wanted to put games together to, you know, play to the best of our ability. And, you know, throughout the season, we've gotten better. We got better every single game that we played. And I feel like as a team, we've kind of get, found more and more confidence after every game. So when we got toward the end of the season, um, we had like a a, a stretch mid-season. We played some ranked teams. And once we got past that, we were like, okay, we have, a, we have a chance to be a really good, really good team. But we still had, you know, November, November to get through. And that's kind of like, you know, the late rounds of the season, understanding um, we, there's a lot more to accomplish. All right, so walk me through the playoff, man. That was the going in, beating Michigan in that semifinal, and going and playing Georgia. I again, it's something I as someone who can't begin to comprehend what that's like, but just kind of walk me through how that how that all felt for you. Right. So Michigan, you know, that was a, that was a great experience. You know, I personally had my my family out there and everything, but as a team, um, we, we understood we we're going against a really good team. We have to play our our best. To, to get the outcome that we wanted. Um, we watched a lot of film, practiced hard all week. And, you know, that game was just something surreal. You know, I'm, I'm happy we got to have the outcome that we wanted. You know, it, it took everybody to do our job to, to do that. And then obviously, national championship game didn't go the way you would have, have liked for it to have gone, but still to get there. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of process that game? Both just having the opportunity to go and play in it and yet, it ending the way it did. Right. Well, first of all, experience was, was a great, it's something I can't, you know, even imagine at the time. It was a great experience to kind of be there with um my teammates, people that I love, people that love me back. You know, that was uh, all in all a truly great experience. Obviously, the outcome wasn't the best, but, you know, the games that we played to get there and, you know, how we all that came together as a team to get there. That was something that I could remember for the rest of my life, actually. Yeah, like I just, I, I hear fans of other teams be like, I'd, I'd rather not even go than have that performance. And I'm just like, that's nonsense. Like, I, there's there's no way any player I can imagine would say, I would rather not have gone and lost like that than have gone at all. I just, I just, I have yeah. a hard time feeling like that's remotely true. Right, right, right. No, I, I'm grateful for the journey that we went. Obviously, to end the right, way the way we wanted it to but that's it's still something special obviously the draft's coming up um you've talked to quite a few teams which which teams do you feel like have have talked with you maybe the most or shown the most interest in you right so um i can just throw a few teams out there but really i've been having a lot of meetings you know with the, the texans chargers um you know Bengals, chiefs kind of kind of that kind of range of defenses, range of teams, um, even the Steelers at some times. But essentially, throughout the Senior Bowl and the Combine, I got a chance to meet with all the teams, you know, go through interviews and the coaches. And I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good spot right now. 
what's some of the advice maybe some of the, the teams, the scouts, and the coaches that you've talked with have given you as you as you prepare to get ready for the draft? Right. Especially at this point, you know, because it was pretty close. It's about a week away at this point. Um, just kind of, you know, keep working out, keep understanding um, that at this point right now, you kind of got, it's like a waiting game. You know, you, you're working out, you know, you're still meeting with some teams, but you want to go ahead and understand the situation that you're in, that, that you're in. Okay. I, I know the answer is I just want to get drafted, but I have to ask this anyways. Like if, if there were a couple of teams that you feel like you would be a great fit on, like mm-hmm. who 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 would you like to draft you? Right. Um, well, obviously my answer is that I just want to go to to the best team that wants me. Um, yeah, I feel like that's that's the best answer I can give you at the moment. That's fine. Look, I gotta ask, and I'm that's the answer I expected. That's okay. Uh, oh. I wouldn't want you to have any sort of uh, a bulletin board material or anything that that anyone might see. So don't worry. Uh, so what is the plan for the draft? What are you planning to do uh, while the draft's going on? Right. So my family was gonna have a. Uh, my intermediate family, my parents, my brother, and my cousins are all going to be at the house kind of watching the draft. And then that Saturday, we're going to go bowling. So that should, that's kind of how we're going to celebrate. That, that'd be a, be quite the thing on Saturday if you're out the lane and then you get you get a phone call. and uh, <laughs> have it, Like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Everybody stop bowling for just a second. I got I to gotta answer, answer the phone. That's awesome. Well, Dylan, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, good luck to you. I, again, I would be shocked if if your name wasn't called this coming weekend, I just I have a I have a deep feeling that you're gonna have a fantastic phone call. It's gonna be a great weekend for you, and uh, and good luck, man. Thank you, I really appreciate that. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm podcast, the Known Universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the off season, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D, cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks so thank you and go Cougs she pitched the first perfect game in Baylor softball history earlier this season and is having an absolutely incredible year for a Baylor team that is going to make the postseason. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not trying to jinx anything. I just, I feel pretty comfortable in making the statement Baylor will be in the NCAA tournament this year in a regional. I'm very excited uh, to have Dari Orme, Baylor pitcher, joining the show today. Dari, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, so we've been trying to get this interview for like three weeks, and I'm very excited that we're finally making it happen. This, it's okay. Schedules have to align. We're all very busy people. I've had three sick kids for like three weeks. It's okay. Uh, Dari, this season has been awesome for Baylor. I mean, absolutely incredible. This is a program that expects to make it to the postseason on a, on a fairly regular basis. Obviously, last year was disappointing with a very young roster. But the jump from last year to this year, what do you from inside the program attribute to this? This, I mean, really, it has been a huge leap from last year's season to this year. Yeah, I think that it's really just trusting the process. Like you said, coming to Baylor, um, me, I knew that we win here and that's what they want to do. So I know that when I was able to transfer in with Mackenzie Wilson, we knew, okay, this year 
it might be a little bit rough, but let's at least get this ball rolling again to us being in a winning position. And so then coming into this current year, um, as Coach Moore was able to bring in a lot of transfers and kind of just piece things together, um, I think that we were able to get back to that standard that Baylor upholds, which is that we win and we make it to postseason. So I think that people buying into that mindset has really helped us flourish this year. Where do you feel like you've seen from a from holistically from the team, like the most growth overall? Yeah, definitely. I would say that um, what we were lacking last year was the defense aspect. Obviously, we want our bats to go um, always, but I know that's something that uh, was always going to come back for us. It was more so the defense um, aspect that we were lacking. And so I think that, again, with Coach Moore bringing in those transfers that, as you can see, are key players in our middle infield, our first baseman and stuff like that, it has really allowed us to climb those ladders again and showcase what we're able to do on the field. It definitely seemed last year like there were kind of teases of, you know, there was a big game against Oregon. We saw opportunities against Oklahoma. We saw a lot of games where it seemed like Baylor was almost there and then it would slip through their fingers or just, just weren't quite enough that this year has not been the case. When we've seen plenty of opportunities where Baylor gets into the bottom of a game in a close game and finds an opportunity and steps up and gets a big win. Obviously, uh, on the road at Tennessee for two huge victories, the win over Oklahoma earlier in the year, it really does feel like this is a program that has kind of, I, I hate to use the term, but found a way to win. Yeah, I would agree. I think that, again, and not even to sound um, like a broken record, but I think what we stand for this year and like what they've stood for in the past, but what we're really trying to make sure is evident in the way that we play is that we're really just allowing God to take the will, allow us to just play freely. Um, and so as we have seen us play more freely, we see the results that we want when we're not trying to press like we were last year, like we have to win these games and then it falls. We now trust that, okay, we have all the pieces that we need. Now we get to just go do what we do um, and showcase that. So I think that free aspect um, has really just allowed us to, play in those tougher games and get the outcomes that we know we can get. Obviously, uh, Baylor has been without Leah Benford due to a season-ending injury, and you've had to see the the entire team kind of step up and and fill. I mean, you can't replace her, obviously, but but fill that gap that was lost. I mean, where what was the biggest hiccup as far as losing her, and how did you see the team adjust to, to not having her this year? Yeah, I think obviously losing Aaliyah um, was very difficult for us at first, knowing that uh, us working together well in the circle um, was really going to set us up well for postseason and even just regular season. But I think that when we got the news and when we when we knew it was happening, um, our other pitchers and the pitching staff just stepped up immediately. And then that allowed for us to not really feel any of those big hiccups. Obviously, we're missing a key player in Aaliyah, but at the same time, it forces a freshman who wasn't ready to be at a junior level to be at a junior level so that you can compete for your team. And so I think it really just helps the maturity of the team, which is again, why you are able to see the results that we get because um, it forced us to mature a lot quicker. You have obviously had to step up as well. I mean, you look at last year to this year, last year, a 3.34 ERA and 144.2 innings pitched this year, 1.62. And you've already had to pitch 142.1 innings. Like, and we've still got two full weekends of softball in the postseason coming. I mean, that what do you first attribute to to your continued success and the and the, the growth that you've seen as a player? Yeah. I think that the off season for me was a little bit different than we were expecting. And so being able to take some rest um to make sure that my body was prepared, I think 
in the moment you don't understand why God is sitting you down, but now in the, in the after the aftermath and everything, like I'm now understanding, okay, God allowed me to rest then so that I could be prepared for what he has coming now. And so I think the trainers that we have here are just amazing, just preparing uh, my body for the season. And again, in in losing Aaliyah, um, yes, I, I take on a little bit more of a workload, but the personnel that our coaches just continue to put on us to, to just make sure our body is ready for the next event is just amazing. And so that on top of the fact that in the off season, though, I was not able to work as much um, pitching wise, like being out on the field, coach Newman made sure that I was tuned in with the mental aspect. And I think that is where my game needed to elevate from seeing the numbers that you see now in comparison to last year, I was lacking that mental aspect. And so that's only gotten stronger. And I think that's what's allowing um, me to see that progression over the year. Like I mentioned early on, first perfect game in Baylor softball history. Kind of walk me through like the end of that game. Is that something that started to creep in on you that the team was talking about? Or was everyone kind of like, shh, shh, don't bring it up. Don't mention it. Don't say a word. Let's just see if we can make this happen. I I think in the game, I was telling some people afterward that like, for a majority of that game until maybe the sixth inning, I had no idea what was going on. I would come into the dugout, get some treatment done to make sure my arm was still feeling good. Um, and then I was just like, dang, this game is going by pretty fast. Like, I don't know what's happening, but we're rolling right now. And so um, actually our weight coach, he would stand at the end of the dugout. And after each inning, after I'd get my rehab done, I would go stand with him and just like talk about the game and, Little did I know he knew the entire time what was going on. And so he was perfectly distracting me um, so that I would not look at the scoreboard or not, you know, let my mind shift to those things because it got to a point where, yeah, I would walk through the dugout and everyone would just clear out of the way and just let me go exactly to where I needed to go um, for that inning. And so it was very funny looking back at it now, like, okay, they all knew, but I had no idea what was going on. So it was in the moment, it was definitely crazy, but the way that it ended, I told Katie, like, um, that our, the picture that they were able to capture of me kind of in surrendering until my hands went up to the air, it was, people don't really know what I'm going through right now. And for me to be able to accomplish this right now, I really can only give it back to God. And so I absolutely love that picture, trying to get it for my parents, because that is really what that was, was as soon as the game was over, the first thing that comes to mind is how thankful I am that God was able to get me through that. So it was just an amazing experience. I'm just so blessed that it got to happen here at Baylor. That's awesome. That's a great story. I love it. Everyone just clearing the way, parting <laughs> to make sure, don't don't say anything, don't bother her, just let her go, don't bring it up, don't, that's... <laughs> That's what you want from teammates. Like we got your back. We're not gonna we're not gonna mess this up for yeah. you. We all know we're gonna do our best. Like that's <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Uh, obviously, you have referenced your faith quite a few times this interview, and that is something that is very important to you. And that kind of plays into something I wanted to ask you about. There is a staff that I have been told about that you you are responsible for making sure follows the team around this season. Kind of kind of tell us about this staff. Yes. So we actually, at the beginning of the season this year, had a team retreat, um, a spiritual retreat actually is what it's called. And so we got to go out and just really dive into the word and dive into who God is and how we can make sure that he is showcased this year on the field. And when we were done with that, we we kind of came up with this 
staff, which is something that they used in those biblical times. Um, and with the staff, they would etch on it every time that God showed up for them. So they would be reminded of all the good things that he has done so that when they get into a place of just worry and doubt, they could look back on their staff and be like, he brought me over this. So he'll be able to bring me over this next trial or tribulation. And so when it came down to voting, who was going to be in charge of the staff? The team did vote that I would hold it for the year and just make sure that it follows us every event, which has been so much fun. Um, but on the staff itself, we have the scripture Exodus 14, 16, and it's just like lift out your your staff and stretch it out. And so that's kind of what we think about after a win, even after a loss, what we're able to learn in those moments. But like, God, okay, we just won or we just lost, but we give it back to you because we know that after a loss, you're going to help us find our way back, that our identity is not found in the sport, but that it is found in you. And so I think it's just been so cool um, that my team trusts me with that staff, but also just watching all of my teammates' faith grow over the year. I think we have, we're up to seven baptisms right now on the team, which is just phenomenal. So it's been so much fun watching. That's uh, that's incredible. That really is. Uh, okay. So you have a team staff and a team scripture. Uh, yeah. Which is very cool. Usually, I get a team song from everybody that everyone listens to. So I have to, I have to ask: Is there a, is there a, a song of the season that you guys play to get hyped up or after a win or anything of that nature? We actually don't have a specific song. We did just start, um, like on the bus rides, trying to get a song, any song that anyone thinks of that will just hype us up for the day. So we don't have a specific song yet, but like. We just have whoever wants to choose the song of that day. Um, doesn't matter who it is, whether you're a starter or not. If that's your song of the day, we're going to get hyped to it with you. So that's been kind of the thing that we're rolling with right now. I mean, a lot of what you've talked about, this really does feel like a, a really strong team, a really strong collection of, of players who all have each other's back, all really work together. I mean, what is the vibe of this team? Like, kind of describe me. If I were to walk in on a practice or just walk in on a team meeting, like, what's the feeling I would get from this roster? Yeah, I think that, one, we're a very competitive bunch. And so I'll I'll start, like, with Amber Tovin. It, it's so much fun watching her do the things she does at practice because she'll often play games with Coach Moore in the middle of defensive practice. Um where he's hitting balls that like you wouldn't think anyone should be able to get. And she's like, that's easy. Like, come on, like make me work for something, you know? And so the stuff, like seeing stuff like that where she does it. And then another player is like, well, you're not the only one I, that can do it. I can do it too. So now they're kind of just going back and forth and chasing after these balls that just seem like they are impossible to get. Um, but we're so loose. So in that competitive light, we have like a, a sense of looseness again that we're not trying to press we're just out here trying to have fun everyone is so goofy in their own ways there's never a dull moment <laughs> at any practice or anywhere we go obviously when coach Moore has you know his talkings we know when to straighten up but even with him he knows how to be light with us and he's always cracking jokes which then allows us to crack jokes with him so it's really just honestly like you're asking for the vibe it is just a vibe like hanging out with this team so it's it's too much fun too much you've got two weeks left in the regular season weekend series against iowa state and obviously texas at the end of the regular season which is a, a huge one that i know big 12 sophomore fans are excited for obviously the postseason both the big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament await this team I, I, not to not to look ahead to opponent but i'm just 
you know, just trying to think back, like, what do you feel like this season, no matter how it ends, how is it going to kind of feel to you? What, how are you going to end this season and kind of look back and say, this is what this season meant to me? Yeah. Um, again, for me, I know that like, with all the things that I have been dealing with off um, in the background and just without me really wanting too many to know, I think knowing that I gave it all that I had um, with a bunch of girls that also wanted to give it all that they had, I'm going to feel good. Obviously we want to win every single game we have from here on out. Um, But if that does not happen, I am confident that I will not walk away from this season with any regret. Um, I know that every single time I got on that field being a fifth year, I played like it was my last. And so did the girls right beside and behind me. So I think that's kind of how it's going to feel for me when it does um, come to an end is like, okay, um, you know, I'm going to take my break, get ready for the next season. But in that moment, like, if I can honestly say that I gave it everything I had every time I went out there, then I will feel um, you know, like there was not much more I could do. So I think I'll, I'll feel pretty good. Dari, I really appreciate your time today. You have been fantastic at a very enjoyable interview. I gotta say, uh, good luck to your team for the rest of the season. Good luck to you. Hope to see another perfect game from you. Uh, whether or not we do, I mean, it's been a fantastic time in Baylor, at Baylor and in Waco, and I look forward to everything else that comes your way. Thank you so much. <laughs> Podcast Network.